Now, yesterday we heard World Rugby has approved plans to set up a new international league competition as part of a radical shake-up of the global calendar. Michael Corkin was on the show explaining the biannual tournament is set to be launched in 2026 and will be made up of two divisions of 12 teams with promotion and relegation commencing from 2030. Matches will be staged in the July and November international windows in addition to a competition that has been tentatively named the Nations Cup. World Rugby's Council has given the go-ahead to the expansion of the World Cup to 24 teams in time for Australia 2027. Now, I am delighted to say that Samoa captain and Leinster rugby we start Michael Ala Alatoa is standing by um, to have a, a wide ranging discussion on this. Now, before we begin our conversation, we actually can hear from Alan Gilpin, who is CEO of World Rugby, speaking about these new structure changes. Look, again, I think it's all about compromise. It's all about understanding, you know, what each different stakeholder in the game is 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 holding on to and perceived to be giving up to to create these opportunities. And again, it might seem like a long time away. It's not in in the in the scheme of uh, the amount of time. Again, 16 years ago, these conversations started, and here we are finally landing the first part of this. So, you know, promotion relegation from 2030 taking effect in 2032 is certainly better than the alternative, which is not to have that competition at all. And again, those that were pushing for this not to happen, as has been referenced, weren't putting forward alternatives that that were credible. Um, I think what we'd say to the the teams. Portugal, Chile, others that have, that have had fantastic tournaments here is this competition structure from 2026 will provide them with guaranteed certain schedules, particularly against their peers, actually the types of teams they need to be playing against in July, November on an annual basis. In addition, the package that's agreed today provides for more crossover fixtures, what we used to call tier one and tier two fixtures in the years when this championship isn't being played than is currently the case. So 50% more guaranteed crossover fixtures in those other years than is currently the case, in addition to guaranteed fixtures against their peers that they don't currently have. And it isn't just about those opportunities to play against the teams that are ranked higher. As Bill said, if you're Samoa or you're USA or you're Portugal, other than your current regional competition, you have no guaranteed fixtures next year or in 2025 or in 2026. These competition models start to guarantee July fixtures, November fixtures with real meaning scheduled in advance and then in the years in between the opportunity to be part of those crossover fixtures so you know again is it perfect probably not is it a hell of a lot better than the current situation absolutely so as I said Michael Ala Alatoa joins us now um Michael firstly thank you very much uh, for taking the call if we could begin by just getting your reaction to that so it's, it's better than the current situation it's better than nothing in your view, is that good enough? Hello, for love, Shane. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on and, and speak on this tonight. Uh, well, it, it sounds all good in theory, but I can't help but um, feel that it's still favoured towards uh, your teams, like the rugby championship teams, Six Nations teams, or um, if you want to call them the Tier 1 teams, uh, especially the, the way it's structured with the 12 the 12 teams that will play in that top tier, the 12 that are below. And um, from from what I can see and, and how I feel on it, it's, it's, uh, it may sound good in theory in terms of uh, being better to give us more structure around our games, but um, what those games look like, are, are we 
are we actually going to get uh, genuine opportunities to play against T1 teams and and what T1 teams are we going to get to play against uh, is, we need more clarity on Is it fair to say there's a frustration then from the the lower ranked teams I suppose Oh for sure uh, because I mean just looking at the way that it's structured you can't help but but see that uh, the 10 teams that are in there are the, the six nations in the, in that top tier are the the Six Nations teams plus the Rugby Championship teams and then the last two spots are, are there to uh, for promotion and relegation but again um, the, the way the, the way that the articles are, are being read now uh, are potentially going to be for, for Fiji and Japan and you know there's there's other teams besides Fiji and Japan that performed have shown what they can do at the World Cup and when they're given a chance when they're given a good lead in with um adequate preparation time uh, so yeah it's frustrating to to have to wait till 2030 for like I know I know that Alan's saying that um, you know it's, it's a better than what's in place at the moment but and and it doesn't seem that far away but 2030 seems like a long time for for any teams that that are in that bottom tier that want to uh, potentially get up into that top one and um and then they, they don't have other opportunities besides the World Cup to, to do that as well. Is it disheartening when you think about it? I mean, 2030 is so far away. You're almost losing a generation of players. Yeah, well, you are. And and, and I can't help but be biased towards uh, the, the team that I'm a part of, Manu Samoa. And, you know, although we didn't get to, to beat um, these tier one teams like Argentina and England, like we, we definitely showed what we can do. Uh, when we're given that chance, and and especially in that England game, uh, to be to come one point away from 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 a draw or to to beat the likes of England, um, you know, it's, it's no surprise that that came right at the end of our campaign in our fourth match, like our best performance of the World Cup, uh, because we had adequate build-up to it, and um, that's what happens when you get to play teams like Argentina, England, even the likes of Japan. Um, these these top these top nations in the world, um, and like the only opportunities that we have to play uh, in in most years are against our our brothers, which are our Fijian brothers, our Tongan brothers, uh, in our Pacific nations, and and like we're we're so used to playing against these teams, and and I, and I feel like I speak on behalf of of all the Pacific nations teams that. We we all want the same opportunity to play against these T1 teams to show what we can do to to get used to playing at that high level so that we can get used to being put under that that pressure and, and so we know how to deal with it because because this, the games are so far and wide between we don't have that exposure to to be able to do it um, to be able to deal with that pressure so we'll we'll play one good game and then maybe not play as well the next time but if if this um, Global this global calendar is structured in a way to help us play these T1 games more regularly, then we'll have that exposure. We'll have um, that pressure put on us where we can we can learn to adapt and adjust. When we talk about respect towards all of the nations that are playing rugby, like I'm always, is it is it disrespectful? Do you feel to to refer to tier two nations? Or like is is that a comment that would annoy you? It, it, it does annoy me uh, a little bit, but at the same time, it's it's the reality of of where we're at. Um, and but then a lot of it, I would say, is not put on us ourselves. It's just the way things are structured around us. Like um, 
um, from from the from the from those that are higher up. Um, so, or like it, tier two can mean um, our funding, like the funding that we we generate for ourselves and the funding that's provided to us by World Rugby or or whoever else. Uh, so that that kind of uh, puts us in that in that category, but. Um, yeah, it is frustrating from a respect standpoint in terms of the on-field stuff because you, you see you've seen teams like Fiji go and beat England at Twickenham and and many other teams that are in that tier two bracket um, challenge the tier one team. So yeah, it is disrespectful. You mentioned your experience of playing the world at the World Cup and coming up against these, I suppose, higher-ranked nations. What is the main difference between perceived Tier 1 and, and Tier 2 nations? Like, is, is it just playing time, exposure to better players, or at its core? Like, what do the likes of uh, Samoa have to do to, to reach their full potential? Play more together and play against Tier 1 teams. That's, that's, my, that's my belief. And... Uh, Every time we, because the way the way it's structured at the moment for us, we only get opportunities to play in November, and then in July. And every time we get together, it's a big reset. And all unlike the likes of Ireland, England, uh, even Australia, New Zealand, where all their players are playing in one country, all of our players come from all over the world, and then we're only given a couple of days to prepare for a test match and try and get on the same page. So, although we're all Samoan, we have to. Um, that cultural identity that binds us um, from a rugby perspective we we play French styles we play Japanese styles we play New Zealand style we play UK style and try to put all that together with that limited time is, is tough and then, the only, and then the, the, the only way to put that that game under pressure is by playing meaningful games against against um, tough teams and the way it is at the moment it, those, those tough teams and those tough games are few and far between which is frustrating. It, it seems as well that like there's a perceived reluctance, I suppose, for for these higher ranked nations, the, the tier one nations, to tour the Pacific Islands because it's not as lucrative as, as touring South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and, and, and places like that. It's, it, that must be some bit of, of frustration in terms of it's the men in suits making these decisions for world rugby. It is frustrating. And, um, you know, you look at... Like, uh, and I know I'm speaking on behalf of Pacific Islanders, but you look at how much Pacific Island rugby has given to to rugby all over the world. You know, you've got guys representing their countries, so they're representing Samoa, Fiji, but they're also representing England, they're representing Ireland, they're representing New Zealand, Australia. So there's so Pacific Island rugby is prominent in all rugby, not just not just in the for the Pacific Island nations. So at least that these tier one teams could do is is take a game to Samoa, take a game to the Tonga to Fiji. Like like it doesn't have to be every year, but it could be once every every two years. And I know some teams have have made it out there in the past. Like I, I know the last time uh, a tier one team came to Samoa was in 2017. So I think it was Wales. Uh, but 2017 that's a long time ago now, and it'll be. And I know what it will do for for our people having having the likes of a tier one team coming to to Samoa to play. It'll it'll lift the nation as a whole and 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 create such a buzz because rugby means so much to to our people as it does in in all Pacific Island rugby. It strikes me 
even from chatting to you that there's nearly a sense of kind of what if like what if what what are the 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 limits if we did have more preparation time so like what was the overriding emotion coming away from the world cup for for yourself personally um I, I was proud of what what we put out there but it was a bit of frustration um knowing that uh, there were there were games that were we could have won uh, that we should have won but we didn't and the frustration comes from the fact that um, the whole build up to this World Cup we we only had two games against T1 nations so we had a game against Italy last year November and then against Ireland uh, right before the World Cup and two games at that level is, is not enough uh, I believe to, to adequately, adequately prepare for the, the pinnacle competition of, of our sport um, so it was frustrating in the sense that um, we were able to get to a point where our performance was at a level that was really good in that last game, but it only came with the last game. And that's and for me, that's no surprise, given that um, everything that's gone before it in terms of our preparation time, the time that we've had together, um, we don't we never get that time uh, in any other year. Um, and we never get that exposure to, to playing the top teams in the world as well. And by that fourth game, we'll battle hard and we'll, we're able to to play the way that we wanted to play because we're used to playing at that, that higher intensity. But um, when you when the games are so far and far and wide between, it's it's hard to get that to, to simulate that intensity. And that links in then with with the launch of this new annual expanded. Pacific Nations Cup competition in 2024 featuring Canada, Fiji, Japan, Tonga, USA and, and your own Samoa. Is that welcome news or is that a further blow that, that it's more kind of just keeping all you guys together? <clears throat> it's, it's only welcome news if, if we still have that opportunity on top of that to play against these, these tier one teams and I know he's talked about potential crossover games but just knowing what that actually looks like for for us um, especially in those years where um, in those biannually that competition is going to be run so in those other years Mm. what those tier one teams like what those tier one games are going to look like for us and how many we'll actually get so uh, you need you you do need a regional competition to um, to build to to build the interest within our own region and there's those games against Samoa, sorry, those games against Fiji, Tonga, those those are games that us as Samoans look forward to every year. But um, when they're the only games that you have to play that are meaningful, that's that's what makes it hard. So having those big games against the T1 nations in and around that would would bring more purpose to to those games as well. well it certainly will be interesting to see how this one pans out, and hopefully there is. Um, a balance struck, I suppose, for for for, for world rugby. Um, listen, Michael. Before uh, we do go, I know you're you're back training with Leinster. <coughs> you have your your pro- provincial cap on um, now. How much yeah. are you chomping at the bit to, to get back out there with the guys? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so I'm back available for selection this weekend. So um, ho- hopefully, get the nod to play with the boys. You know, they've with the World Cup on. They've had a long preseason, and you know we. The boys went down last week, uh, so we're looking to bounce back really well in front of our home fans and 
and play the way that we know we can. And, and there's a lot of young guys in the team that I'm looking forward to playing with uh, for the first time. So, yeah, really excited. It certainly should be very interesting to see how it pans out uh, this coming season. Listen, Michael Ala Alatoa, really appreciate you taking the call. So thank you so much uh, for your insight on that.